0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Relentless Goal Achievers Podcast. I couldn't be more stoked than for the episode we are bringing to you today. If you're driving, pull over somewhere, get, get a pen and a piece of paper, get your phone out, take notes, hit record, whatever you gotta do, come back to this one, cause it's gonna be amazing. Uh, if you have not done so yet, get your butt to Facebook, our free Facebook group, Relentless Goal Achievers Community, join it so I can interact with you. You can ask questions. We can do all kinds of fun stuff in there and grow together. But let me introduce my guest uh, right now. I'm so excited. Jefferson Rogers. He is the founder and CEO of J.K.R. Windows. It's an Inc. 5000 fastest growing company. That's amazing. But Jefferson was not always successful. There was a time in his life where he was broke, addicted, and on the verge of losing everything. Today, though. He leads JKR Windows into an eight-figure business with with 100 highly motivated employees. He's the author of his new book, All In, go check that out, and the host of the Just Real Quick podcast. Some actually call Jefferson Mr. All In. So Jefferson, welcome to the show, my friend. Right on, Eric. Thank you for having me, brother. Looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I've been checking out your videos on Instagram. You got quite quite the profile and um, so much cool content on there. It sounds like seems like you add very frequently. So thank you for that.
1: Absolutely, man. Yeah, I was checking out some of
0: your stuff too. This is this going to be good. We got some a lot of the same philosophies there. It's going to be awesome, man. So let me ask you something. Um, how long ago did you start JKR Windows? That was March 22nd
1: of 2018. So it's almost been six years.
0: And nothing like JKR didn't exist before 2018.
1: Did not exist, man. It was just, it's a thought. It's my, it's my initials. I got three little brothers. We all got the
0: same initials. So since 2018 till now, you've grown it to, I, I, I saw you on Bradley. I think he said 20 million a year. Is that 20 a 20 right?
1: million a year? Yeah, we'll do probably 20 close to 24 million this year.
0: But that's amazing.
1: Total, like
0: over the six years, over 50 million. That's amazing. So let's let let's get the origin story. Not like not like from the baby, but take me back to the years where you're about to lose everything. What was going on in your life? And when was that?
1: Yeah, 2017, man. It wasn't that long ago. I had a problem with alcohol and I, I smoked weed every day. I was doing sales at that point, but the, the substances took a lot of my energy cause I, you know, I was looking forward to getting home and cracking open a beer and smoking some weed. And I knew I was wasting my talent. I was wasting opportunities because I was, you know, I was basically going home early every day during the best hours of the day. Hmm. And that year in 2017, I made about $75,000 and, you know, $75,000 doesn't get you a whole lot these days. No. And I've got a wife and three kids and, you know, I got motorcycles and we like to have fun and, and, I, you know, $75, 75,000 was not enough to live the kind of lifestyle that I wanted to provide for my family. And I knew that, and I knew that I wasn't doing anything extra to try and go provide a better lifestyle and had a had this i've had a lot of lows over the past 20 25 years since i was a teenager and a lot of things that have happened to me that have set me back straight and then i would go back but the the last real low that i had was in 2017 i got really drunk went to a concert got in a fight with my wife i headbutted a guy for no reason that I remember I was too drunk to even remember. I got in my truck and left and drove and ran from security and i've I ditched the the truck and I ran from police and ended up getting away that night. later had charges. but the you know the shame and the guilt that came from that the the impression that I left on my wife and everybody that was with me that night, I missed my my son's birthday party the next morning because I was, I was too hung over and I was just laying on a bench at the the jump house place. It was, it was terrible. It was like, I'm not, this is not aligned with who I want to be and the example that I want to be for my wife and my kids and my brothers and my mom and dad. Two months after that, I saw an ad on Facebook for a mentor program and it changed my life. I was just, There had been enough of these low points and I was fed up and I was no longer going to tolerate this, the same shit in my life. So I joined this mentor program, got around a bunch of positive, influential, you know, goal-oriented people for the first time in my life, really. And it, it changed my life.
0: What was the program?
1: It was a Grant Cardone ambassador program in 2017. That was leading up to the 2018 growth conference in Las Vegas. Ah. And in January of 2018, I got sober and been sober ever since after struggling with substance abuse since I was 13 years old. That was no weed, no alcohol, nothing, nothing, not a drop. haven't smoked any weed, no edibles. Like I just turned it off that day and made a commitment to my wife, finally admitted that I had a problem out loud. I knew I had a problem, but I'd never admitted it, never told anybody, never said it out loud. Finally, just shut it off and focused all of those same addictive tendencies that had the possibility for doing good, but was just focused on destructive behavior. And then just, man, I just focused on those first couple of months. I was still working for another company, but I just ramped up my activity and I had new goals and I had new targets. I wanted to make more money. I wanted to help more people and I made more money than I'd ever made. And then some things happened with that other company just kind of shined a light on the future or lack of future that I had with them. And it was like it's time to go. JKR Windows started two months after that, and been going hard ever since. What
0: were you selling? I sell replacement windows. So now, before going, like the company you quit, that was what I was doing with them too. Replacement windows, okay. Yep. it was replacement
1: windows going door to door, residential. And I was working in in Utah at the time. And now, JKR Windows provides service to seven and coming on like eight and nine states
0: amazing and it's, it's come a long ways in just a couple of years thank you so when i hear the word just like you said you know i just quit everything and and started focusing on this that word just has a lot of hitting hidden um context in there because you don't just do anything Like when people say, oh, I just did it. No, 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 no. If if we were to kind of break that down, like what had to have happened? So you got the idea like, hey, this isn't good for me. You announced it out loud, but the tendencies are still there. I mean, alcohol, drugs. I mean, that's tough to quit. Yeah. What did you do? Like what what do you think was the not the main thing, but some of the most important things that helped you quit?
1: So you're right, man. It was it's easy to talk about it now. And it was hard to talk about it early on because of the shame and the guilt that I had experienced, the stuff that I'd put my, my family through. And I'd been through the ups and downs and I would slow down and I would quit or I'd be forced to quit because I had a court case and I had drug tests and stuff like that. So I'd, I'd been through these ups and downs and I, I always knew that it was holding me back and I could sense it and I could feel it. And I was ashamed of being high and drunk around, My family and my kids and and i was a different person on it so there was all these seeds planted over 20 years of dealing with substance abuse that a lot of people experience but then
0: i think your mic just went out did we lose your mic hey, some technical difficulties, but we got it figured out. Uh, Jefferson, you were talking about seeds being planted for over 20 years.
1: Well, yeah, it's, you know, I, I knew it didn't align with who I wanted to be. The example that I was being for my brothers was, it was leading them down a certain path. and And whether it did or not, I take responsibility for some of the things that they did because of my example and my influence. So, you know, when I say I just decided to quit, it was considering 20 years of all of that pressure of wanting to quit and just not sure how I was going to do it or what my life would look like without the substances. Mm. So, and everybody knows that is dealing with this, what I'm talking about and they can relate to it in one way or another. And I just finally got into a place where I didn't want to tolerate it anymore. It wasn't something that I, I wanted to accept in my life anymore. And I'd, I'd processed it enough to know that, anything that I thought that I was going to lose was going to be worth the benefit of being able to be sober and clear headed and not turn into a different person. And I just, it, it took me saying it out loud to somebody that I loved and cared about. And I consider myself a a person of integrity. And when I say I'm going to do something, God damn it. I'm going to do it.
0: That's awesome. How old are you kids?
1: Nine. 12 and my son is
0: 18 so i got three kids wow so they got a whole new dad a few years back they sure did man can i share my story with you really quick i would love that so last um i don't know how long ago but you know bedros coolian yeah they run a program called the squire program it's for for fathers and sons And usually six to 12 years old. So I took my son out to California. We went through this program and Ray care, the Navy seal and a couple other Marines and army guys. uh, Steve Eckert's one of them. They got four instructors plus Bedros. They just wear them out all day. Right. It's like your, your rite of passage in the manhood, by the way, if you got a son and you're a dude between the ages of six and i I'm sorry, 12 and 16, you want to go do this program. It's amazing. My, my kid came back a different person. Wow. But um, anyway, so we're we're walking one part of the day. We're walking straight up a hill and I'm walking with Steve. He's a Marine. I'm a, I'm a Marine. And I'm just talking to him, kind of asking him about him. And he's in like top physical shape, like Steve Eckert on um, Instagram. Check him out. Just shredded beast and fully focused. And he said something. He's like um, I asked him, I was like, do you drink any alcohol? He's like literally he's like, fuck, no. I said, what you're a marine, you don't drink. He's like, nope, that's poison. I don't put poison in my body. And it just that planted the seed. Now I'm mm-hmm. I'm from Russia, man. I grew up drinking. Right. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, a couple months later, I hear Bejros on the podcast mention alcohol's poison forward. So this was September. Now we're beginning of January, January 5th, 2023. I just got back from vacation, and um, my wife and I are at the gym, and I'm listening to Bedros, listening to his podcast, and he says, I quit drinking completely. It didn't make sense for me not to, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I quit drinking. Wow. I walk up to my wife in the gym, and I'm like, you know what, honey? I'm going to give up drinking. She kind of looked at me. She's like, yeah, right. We get home. My two boys, 13 at the time, and Mikey was nine, sitting having breakfast. I said, boys, guess what? He said, what I said, I'm going to quit drinking alcohol. And my 13 year old Max says, seriously, daddy? I was like, yeah. He's like, that is so awesome. I hate when you drink. And it was like, so I kind of left it alone right there. Two days later, I'm driving in the car with him. I said, hey, you mentioned you hate when I drink. What do I do when I drink that that makes you hate it? He said, well, you act like a stupid teenager, you know, but whatever his reasons were, that anchored it. Like I haven't picked up alcohol since like at that moment, I became a non drinker. Like I'm not, I'm not a guy who quit drinking. I just, I'm not a drinker and yeah. it's a
1: whole different shift, isn't it? It is man. Yep. It was just, uh, it, it was similar for me. And I, I never asked those questions and that's, thank you for that because now I'm going to ask those questions because I've, I've, I've heard it from my wife. But I haven't heard from my kids, and it was just this shameful thing for me. And I can still, you know, part of the, what gives me strength and, and keeps me going is hearing myself drunk and talking in cursive and just being a complete idiot. And I get emotional about it because it was, you know, I knew what I was doing, and I was justifying it. And I was this example to my kids, and and it's just changing the narrative and focusing those, that same energy that I was, you know, was taking me down the wrong path. And I just focused it on positivity and growth. And how do I, how do I harness the power of all this addictive energy that I have? It's so fucking powerful. Now I just want to teach people that you can harness it and use it for positivity and growth. And if it's not starting a business, it's not for everybody. Like the, the shit that I've gone through in the past six years is crazy. And most people wouldn't be able to do it. But you can still use it for other things. It's just in whatever you're doing right now in your business, or in your line of work, you can focus in a different way. And you can get dialed in and you can expect more of yourself and you can set higher targets and you can make more money than you ever thought was possible. If you can start to believe. And it it started with, with me, it was Grant Cardone, you know, and I wanted to be that that same type of Example and inspiration for other people to realize that we're just regular freaking guys. Grant Cardone is just a regular freaking guy from Lake Charles, Louisiana, a po dunk freaking town in the south. And he just decided to turn it on one day. And there's hundreds and hundreds of examples of guys like us. And I haven't accomplished near as much as Grant has, but he was an inspiration to me after listening to his story and listening to his book and hearing how he conducts himself like this guy's nothing special. Like, why, why not me?
0: And why not you? Yeah, why not? Have you ever read uh Grow Rich? Yeah, I love that book. Yeah, so one of the chapters is on uh, sexual transmutation of energy. Yep. And that's exactly what you're talking about. So and Napoleon Hill says, you know, like, when you feel that urge, that sexual energy, it's, it's like one of the most powerful energies that you can have. And if you just direct that same energy into something different, the results are going to be insane absolutely and it sounds like exactly what you're doing but how do you harness that there's so much there's so much stuff that like i want to learn about how you've accomplished this because it it doesn't happen in one day like our belief drives our behavior you, would you agree with that 100% and we would never outperform our own self image exactly so, so how does a guy like what was your belief about yourself when you're you know, when you're missing your kid's birthday party, cause you're hung over laying on a bench and where did the shift happen? Because you could, you were not that guy that, that quit your job and started, started JKR moving. Like you had to, you had to become a whole new guy. Well, based on your belief. So what was that transformation? Like, where did you, where was the switch? What did you decide you want to believe about yourself? How did you go about it? I know I'm throwing questions at you, but I'm just, Absolutely. What's in my mind. I love it, dude. And that's, that's why I wrote the book also is to,
1: because I had to go back and reflect on all these things. You know, I was just going through the motions Mm -hmm. and I was making progress and it didn't ever seem like it was happening fast enough. And, you know, we all lack a little bit of patience when it comes to hitting our goals and doing things, making money and growing the business, growing your skill set. When you say I, I, I
0: was just, Sorry to interrupt you, but when you say I was just going through the motions, are you talking about like when you decided to start the business and then you just kind of rocking and rolling or before that? So, yeah, as as I was getting sober, starting the mentorship program.
1: Looking back on things is different than when you're just in the middle of them. Yes. So then. <laughs> so that's what I was talking about, and putting it in the book just helped me clarify the the steps that I took and the the methodologies, the philosophies, the the disciplines and habits that I had to change. But in those moments, I didn't realize what I was doing and the compound effect that it was having on the growth of my life and my progress and my impact, my leadership, and all these things that didn't seem like they they, they never thought like they were happening fast, but they were I was just making these little incremental steps every day by just staying consistent and being focused and not getting too down on myself. If I had a bad day or if I slept in and just, just continuing to put in consistent work. And I had, uh, I've had so many great influences in my life. Tom Hopkins is one of them. He, I went to a seminar of his and still doing seminars. No, this was back in 2012, but yeah, I think he is. He actually works with a friend of mine and they do, he does door to door and he's, mentored by Tom Hopkins they become really good friends and now they do stuff together and he's I don't think he's doing the tours like he used to but there was something that he said early on I think it was even in one of his books but he said I am committed to doing the most productive thing at every given moment Oof! wow and now it's I've taken that to an extreme level I've had to reel it back because my You know, I work 18 hour days and there's not a second to spare in between things. And it's, it's kind of hectic and my schedule is crazy. And people are like, how do you manage this? But it just becomes a new normal, but it didn't start like that. I'd never used a calendar back in 2018. You know, I was sleeping in every day. There's, I wasn't accountable to anybody and I didn't have anybody to answer to. And I, I wasn't keeping any of the promises to myself. And that's where it starts is I had to become a new person. And I had to start believing in myself at a whole new level. Coming from a place like sleeping on the bench and being so shameful and hungover and sick that I can't even participate or greet anybody at a party when I am a people person and I freaking love people. And it just made me feel like crap, never wanted to feel like that again. So I let it plant a seed in me. And then I started keeping that promise. Mm. And when I said that I was going to start getting up earlier, I effed it up a couple of times and I would sleep in and I'd get all pissed off at myself because the sun's already up and I'm supposed to be doing stuff, but I didn't let it get, I didn't let it break my streak. And I would, I would do a little bit better the next day. And I just started consistently keeping these little promises to myself, which in turn helps you build confidence. Like even when nobody's around, you're keeping these promises to yourself. And in the moment, it doesn't, like, I didn't realize this in the moment, but after looking back on it and observing other people and watching their confidence grow and they're, they're creating momentum in their life, they're keeping these little, tiny, minuscule promises to themselves and then they just compound. And then you start making bigger promises and then you start making bigger commitments and you're doing it out loud. And it's not just to yourself. And now you're delivering consistently and it keeps compounding and you're building momentum. And days turned into weeks, turned into months, turned into years. And it's been, it's been six years. And you know, I've, I've read a lot of stories, and I know a lot of successful people. And there is not a lot of stories like mine where this amount of significant growth happens over such a short period of time. And it's, but it's possible for anybody because I'm really nothing special. I just practice these simple philosophies that I learned from my mentors, and I took action. And if, if I got told to do something, like I, I had Brad Lee, Dave Blanchard, you know, all these guys that are not even around anymore. Dale Carnegie, Napoleon Hill, um, Zig Ziglar, all these guys, if, if they had something in that book or in that message that stuck out to me, I was getting started on that right then. I'm not waiting till tomorrow. I'm not waiting till later today. Like right now, I'm writing into my goals. It's a new action item on my calendar. I'm getting started on it right now.
0: I love that. The first thing I would say that you did, and I'm curious to know what what did that ad say? And I bet you've seen that ad a hundred times before, but something for you clicked at that point, but you yourself was a seed and you weren't planted in the right soil. You were just kind of planted, not in a conducive to growth environment. Yeah. And the second you got around other successful entrepreneurs, boom, you blossomed. And if you're listening out there, it might just be you're in the wrong freaking environment. You know, you could be doing everything right in the wrong environment. You're not going to get shit done. And that happened. I mean, I've seen that. That's the only reason I'm guessing the people you've surrounded yourself with, a lot of them or some of them are authors. They're. Yeah. And doesn't that give you confidence? Like you look at someone and it's just Joe, but Joe wrote a book and you're like, Wait, if Joe wrote a book, I can write a book. But when you're looking exactly. at it, well, Zig Ziglar wrote a book. Yeah, I'm no Zig Ziglar, right? I was just thinking about yeah. that this
1: morning. It's yeah, like, and you
0: write how a book. does a guy like me end up with a book? Because you surrounded like, yourself with people who wrote books.
1: This is a manifestation of my environment and the people that I was in proximity to. Yeah. And it, it really is. Like I was I was around these incredible people that had accomplished incredible things, but they were just regular people too. Yeah. And the same thing has kind of had this trickle effect that led us to this point where we're all hanging out together and all their stories and all the impact people that have impacted their lives. It's, it's just such a cool trickle effect to now be the person with my background, my upbringing, the kind of person that I am, the things that I've been through to have a book. It makes it possible for other people to have a belief in themselves. Like if this freaking guy can do it, this bald, goofy looking dude that doesn't have a very sophisticated vocabulary. And just I'm not thinking all that, that smart. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I think about it to myself. I'm
0: kidding, man. I don't and, see and look, that at
1: all. It's, it's possible. Right here on the top of the
0: book, it says you are meant to do great things. I'm gonna get that book as soon as we're done here and congratulations. I know it's newly released. Hey, real quick, I wanna thank you so much for listening into this episode and just bear with me. We got a one minute commercial coming your way. Have you ever blocked off time to do some lead gen or cold call or read a book or write a book, whatever that may be for you. And then when that time comes, you just simply don't do it. You find other busy things to do, like maybe check your emails and clean out your inbox, things like that. Well, look, if, if you find yourself doing that, you're not alone, okay? If you're an entrepreneur, solopreneur, or someone in the field of selling, chances are there are areas of your life where you're not performing the way you wanna perform. You probably feel alone. You don't know which steps you need to take next. Look, this is exactly why we created Relentless Goal Achievers. We're a group of growth-minded individuals who have an opportunity to meet three times weekly, although it's optional, three times weekly to talk about our goals, learn new things, and take our businesses and our life to that next level. Here, click the button below, see if you might be a good fit. I think this is the group you've been searching for. I'll see you in there. Why did you write it, by the way?
1: I had another one of my mentors told me, everybody has a unique story. And because of the things that you've been through, it makes you uniquely qualified to help other people. And there's millions of people around the world that could benefit from hearing something like your story that they can relate to that helps build belief in their life and in the things that they're going through that there are better possibilities. They're capable of doing more. And we all got a unique story, and, and it's our
0: responsibility to tell it. Oh, that's so good. You know, I've been geeking out on some of your stuff, Jefferson, and one of the things I heard you say, I don't even know which video this was in, but you referred to JKR Windows as a people growth company, something like that.
1: We're a company.
0: people development company who also happen to sell Windows. I've done some training for Keller Williams and I've heard similar things from them where they're like, we're a people development company who also happen to sell real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about your company. And by the way, guys, if you listen to this, go to YouTube, just type in Jefferson Rogers. One of the clips that just popped out today is your 2023 retreat. Now I've done quite a few leadership retreats. Yours looked awesome you want to tell us a little bit about how you even came up with the idea for that?
1: You know, I have some incredible people on my staff. One of the things that I did early on, without even realizing it, it's just like what I do and some of the things are just like automatic because of our personal core values. But I, I sacrificed some experience and some expertise when I hired people initially in my company because one of my most important core values is loyalty. And as I started to develop my team around me of incredible loyal people, we built this incredible culture. and it's like a family environment. And everybody wants to contribute and they would, you know, they bleed purple. Our colors are purple and black. And when we set out to put on an event, these women in my life, my my wife is a big contributor in the company, and then we have some other women that have have a previous background and and doing events and planning and they just go all out and we've got a budget and we stay within reason, but how do we have the biggest impact on people in this leadership, leadership retreat and that make it the most memorable and get the most vulnerable with each other. And, you know, you just saw a a glimpse of what that was over a three day period of time where we, we went through some shit. Like we had some challenges and we had some debates and we've had some ups and downs, and we're working through some growth.
0: some yeah, but okay, this is a company retreat. You guys did a cold plunge early in the morning. What time was that, by the way? Because half of them looked asleep. <laughs> it was. It was uh, we met in the kitchen at 6: 45 in the morning, and we were walking in the water at like 7: 10. Yeah, and it looked really cold. And then 16 hour fast, <laughs> right? Like yep. and then I saw you guys meditate. And in between, we're doing yoga and meditation. Sessions. Yep. Yeah, and then some team building stuff. But why? Help me understand how a cold plunge, a fast, meditation, go into a leadership retreat. Like what? Yeah. How did those help you develop leaders?
1: So we're we're not only developing leaders, we're strengthening relationships, and building bonds, and creating an experience. So one of the things that I learned, uh, I can't remember what the book was, but you know, it's it's all around us. And even if you think about some of the things that you remember that are just these silly things from twenty years ago, it's like, why the hell do I remember that? And nothing else in between, or very little in between. And it's because of the emotional connection that we have to memories. And sometimes it's smell, and sometimes it's uh, it's sound. But smell is a is an important one. And, and sometimes it's like going through just something uncomfortable. Yeah. And for previous experiences that we've gone through, when I go back and and survey people about what stuck out the most and what could we do better next time, the things that stick out and they're so vivid and they can like remember those moments as if they just happened were some of those things like doing the meditations and getting vulnerable with each other and doing these exercises where we're doing strengths and weaknesses and kind of talking about how we show up for each other and the the cold plunge and those moments like intimate moments where we're all huddled around, we're fucking freezing our asses off and we're doing a little breathing exercise. And they remember the exact words that I was saying to help everybody get prepared to do their very first cold plunge ever. Mm. And so it's, you know, these leadership concepts are important. But the bonds that we
0: have, the buy-in, the culture that we're, we're developing within the company are every bit as important. That's like you're building the iceberg strong on the bottom so that everything else. I mean, that's that's amazing that you do that. And what a good example of emotional attachment to memories because everybody remembers. I mean, anybody who was at least 10 years old at the time remembers where they were on 9-11. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to remember what they did on you know what's it called on 910 or 912 <laughs> yeah you 911 know, is stuck uh September 10th that year I have no idea what I was doing September 12th I remember because we were rushing to get back to uh Camp Lejeune in North Carolina from Mississippi so we could get our butts over to Afghanistan <laughs> wow that was fun um all right let me let me ask you about sales because we got we got quite a few listeners here who are entrepreneurs who are in sales. I think what you guys do is probably one of the toughest sales you can make door to door consumer to consumer. And what I liked about like when people come on my podcast, you know, you fill out an application. What I noticed about your form that you filled out, you mentioned, you said, I have a team of 100 and a motivated sales team. Like you use the word motivated sales team. One, It's awesome that you, as the leader, see your sales team that way. That's huge. And I don't even know if you noticed writing that. Yeah. But, but two, how do you keep people motivated in a door to door environment where I'm guessing 90 plus percent of what they hear is no's?
1: Oh, yeah. It's, it has a lot to do with the culture and the leadership
0: and the vision of the
1: company. So there's these three reoccurring concepts that keep popping up in my business, in my book, in my life, and in the, the, the shortcomings that I see in other businesses also. So for me, the, the vision of the company is so important. That's my responsibility as the owner and the CEO is to cast a vision and to have a clear picture of what we're doing, why we're doing it, what separates us from other company, how we're going to stand apart in this industry and make an impact and help people this is not just about the money. So the, if you're involved in a company that doesn't have that, they're lacking core values, the mission statement, and a clear vision and having something that you can get excited about, like nobody's going to fight for you. Nobody's going to have the conviction that you need to be good at sales or to put yourself through the, the uncomfortability, the uncertainty, and the, and the rejection that we all face in sales and we just a little bit more in door-to-door. So that was one component. Now, leadership, my own leadership, and the leadership that I developed within my company kind of helps reinforce that. Now, I've got my vision, and everybody else has their own interpretation of what the vision for JKR Windows is and what we stand for, what we represent, our service, our attention to detail, our core values are commitment to excellence. Um, okay, consistency, dependability, and commitment to excellence. And when we have conversations, we we revolve these conversations about the things that we believe in and what we stand for. And if somebody's not living up to the the core values and our uh, code of conduct, it makes it easier to have these conversations because everybody knows them and we're talking about them so regularly.
0: Yeah. And
1: then vision, leadership, and what was the other one? culture. So those, those two things, the vision and the leadership and the people create a culture to be a part of. And it's difficult. I mean, we do windows and it's, you know, when I got started, it was like, God, it's so hard for me to get excited about windows. I saw other people having success here in this industry, but until I could tap into these other things, and have something bigger to stand for, and delivering for a customer on another level like no other companies are willing to, and start really tapping into the impact that we can make on people's lives and the influence and the the inspiration that we can have as leaders. I didn't truly understand how people got excited in an industry and grew a company like a replacement window
0: company. That's a good point. So what's what do you train people on like brand new salesperson right John coming out brand new to the sales industry and he's got to go knock on a bunch of doors to be successful what does he say like he's he's a window replacement rep yeah what So we have?
1: have we use scripts sure and we've developed scripts and they have psychology and they're they're designed around the the philosophy of J Care Windows and how we help people and add value. And we're, we're we're not in the business of just selling windows. We're in the business of changing people's lives and their situation and the comfort of their home. And when, when a guy goes up to a door, even though he's saying a script, the intention for us as we're training him is to instill that culture and our vision and our core values and what we believe in and, and how we're going to separate ourselves from other companies. So when he shows up, there is nothing but conviction, and enthusiasm, and 100% belief in what we do and the value that we're going to be able to bring them. What did you say? Can I hear the script? Hey, how are you? Great. And that's why I named the the podcast Just Real Quick because the first thing I teach everybody to say is, hey, just real quick, my name is Jefferson. I'm with the marketing department for JKR Windows. Just wanted to stop by and let you know we're going to be running a retail campaign in your neighborhood in about the next six to eight weeks. And what my job is with the marketing department is they have me come out here in advance to hand select one and sometimes two homes that we'll use as an advertising home. And what that means is basically we'll use your home to help showcase our windows while we're running this retail campaign. And the reason I stopped by is you guys have a beautiful home. You guys are right here on the corner across from the mailbox where everybody stops by. So it'd be a perfect place to showcase our windows. But the main reason I stopped is I noticed that you still had the original windows that came with the home. And this one right here, I know that you guys get a lot of sun exposure later in the day. And I'll bet that that room gets pretty uncomfortable. Mm. And I'm looking for some looking for those little yeses and the little affirmations as we go. And, And just so you know what it looks like, if we were to choose your home as one of our advertising homes, what we do is we absorb all the cost of labor and installation, which is normally just built into the job. Plus, we discount our windows by 30% on top of that. So we end up giving you our windows for less than half of what they would normally go for on a retail basis. And then all we ask is just four things from you. And listen, I haven't done this fucking script in six months. Good job. You've internalized it. <laughs> I've internalized it. And they've made small adjustments. Mine is, a, is an old, outdated version. So every time I do it in front of everybody, they're like, uh, doesn't sound like you're on script. That yeah. is my script. You guys have improved <laughs> it over time, but mine worked. And I know it would still work today if I had to go do it myself. Look at all this charisma and this belief and conviction pouring out of me about what I do. I know that every single person that I talk to, this is right for them. Because of my background and my, you know, upbringing in construction and knowing that those windows in your house, even if they have been replaced, I can tell that they are a contractor grade window. They have no warranty. And if they haven't already started failing, they will very soon start failing. And they're, they're inefficient just the way that they sit and you guys are losing energy and the comfortability of your home is suffering because of the the lack of quality in your windows.
0: All right. Awesome, man. I'll tell you, as a listener of your of the first part of that script, where my mind started was, I've had three homes. I've never replaced a window. What the hell do I need new windows for? But the second you said, I can tell that this room gets pretty hot because of the sun. Automatically, my mind went to the hot ass room because of the sun every yeah. day that sets uh, right in front of that window. And it's like right there, you know, I'm in Florida. So it gets really hot. I'm like, yeah. Oh man, yeah, he's right. I didn't even think about that.
1: So yeah, that's that's one of the important things about sales is it's your job because that person may have never thought about this before. Some of them have, and I would get lucky a lot and people would be talking about replacement windows over breakfast. And I was like, that's why I'm here. That's exactly why I'm here. But sometimes they haven't. It, and it's your job to plant those seeds and to build the value and to educate them throughout the process by very subtly adding these little cues and getting them to start thinking about the cold rooms on the North side that don't get the sun and the the cold air just keeps pouring in those windows. And it's really hard to regulate the temperature in that room. I know what you, I know, you know what I'm talking about. And then this room on the South side of the house, that as soon as the sun peaks over on that one, it starts coming through that window because of the inefficiency of that window, all of the heat transfer is coming straight into your house. And it's also got all the, the UV damage that's being done to your carpet and your couches and your paintings and your wood i know the i know you know what i'm talking about oh and, yeah and And
0: you didn't mention potential skin cancer if i'm in that room getting all those rays right <laughs>
1: yeah so yeah i'm i'm kind of pointing those things out and yeah. saying i know you know what i'm talking about and they're they're start thinking about it and and we're not going to win all of them like you said door-to-door has a ton of rejection and you've got to be able to <laughs> handle it But I was leaving everybody with a good taste in their mouth, and I want to teach everybody else that you're not going to win them all, but we're going to be back there, and we're going to talk to that person again. And they're going to maybe see one of our Facebook ads or see another install go on down the street. And because of the seeds you planted and how professional you were and educational, now they're going to start thinking about why that room is so effing hot. And it's not just because it's a big room. It's because of that damn window. And now every time they walk by that window, they're thinking about JKR windows and like, you know what, maybe I should have, but no, wasn't the right time. But the next time we come, we left a good taste in their mouth. And now the chances of them being ready are even that much better because you did your job.
0: And so what's the, what's the buyer's journey like, like from a sales perspective, how many times or how many, um. How many meetings do you find yourself or how many touches do you find your reps needing to have on average before the client decides to move forward with something? A large
1: percentage of what we do is a
0: first-time close. Wow. So somebody could wake up that morning, not even know that they have a potential need for a window or want anything to do with windows. And here come one of your highly motivated sales reps. Yeah. Yeah and transfer that emotion of certainty that hey you you need this room to cool off absolutely i yep. love it that's that's the way that i
1: was trained and the, what i've tried to instill in my people is that listen we'll, we'll follow up with people sometimes people need to think about it but it's our job in those moments we're the ones that can add the value that are the experts that can answer their questions and what questions do you need answered and what do you need to think about that we couldn't figure out right now? We've already decided throughout this whole process that you have a need and that you you like my company and we've got a reputation and you know that there's, you know, you could go get windows from one of a dozen other companies, but none of them have the reputation like we do and have the service after the sale and can commit to the kind of quality that you're going to expect if you're going to spend money on your home. And, yeah, we're we're there to close a deal.
0: What would you say is your biggest challenge as a leader um, that your sales team is facing?
1: Uh it's it's always it's always mindset. So there's lots of ups and downs. I got a, you got the 80 20 rule, I got 20% of the guys that are doing 80% of the work, and they've usually um, they do go up and down as well. So even the best guys struggle with mindset and consistency. But the mindset, especially in door to door and in sales in general, is the most important thing. Like oh, it's your, it's your, it's your biggest tool. If you can have a consistent mindset, especially in door to door, because of the the rejection that you're going to face on a day to day basis, you you just keep showing up and resetting and bringing all that enthusiasm. And every time you sit down with somebody, no matter what led you to this moment, you're bringing 100%. And it's really effing hard for people to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the best that I have are the guys that do that the most consistently. And they're nothing special. We have a script. Like, you just follow the process. You follow the system. And it's designed to work. And there's psychology built into it. And you've got an incredible company that you're representing out there. And your responsibility is every day you've got to reset. Every door you've got to reset. And you got to show up 100% convinced and bring all your enthusiasm and all the charisma that you can muster at every single door to make a great first impression and to bring value and educate that customer that, that
0: may have not ever thought about doing replacement windows in their life. Yeah. How do you, what are you doing from the company's perspective to get people motivated? So I'm, as
1: the, the CEO, my, my roles have changed over the last couple of years. And I used to be the one in the meetings every day, getting everybody fired up, having the one-on-one conversations, working through the personal problems and helping people with their mindset and their belief and reinforcing some of the, the convictions about the company and what we represent and, and why they can go out there and just have something that they can lean on for their mindset to be strong. And now it's been my job over the last year and, and a little bit longer to, to help reinforce that in my leadership. So they're passing that same type of belief and conviction and support to all of their people and be that, that strength within the group emotionally and mentally. So there's it's unwavering. One of the things that I think I was really good at without even realizing it just because I I absolutely had to, and I noticed the impact that it had when I didn't show up 100%, was being that emotional and mental stability that the sales team needed. Because everybody else is up and down and they need somebody every day that shows up that's consistent and they're stable and they're offering value and they're building people up and inspiring and building belief. And, And leadership is such a special thing. And once you realize the impact that you have with your actions and your even like your body language and your facial expressions and, and how you show up as a leader determines the speed and the effectiveness of your team.
0: You know, it's interesting. When did you get comfortable referring to yourself as the CEO and founder? Um,
1: I guess it's been within the past couple of years.
0: It wasn't like right. that
1: for you in the beginning, was it? It sure wasn't. No.
0: Yeah, but I, I've you you actually stepped into the role, man. I've I hear it. I hear it in your voice as the CEO and founder. This is what I do. When I when I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't say that as comfortably as you say it. Yeah. And that's huge. It just shows me what where your kind of self belief is. You are the CEO of this company. You are leading this company. You are lead. And it shows, man. It shows in what you guys have accomplished. It shows in everything you're doing. I love it. Love the I appreciate energy.
1: Appreciate that, Eric. Appreciate yeah. that.
0: So then the the other question I have is how how do you hire the right talent? Because I I firmly believe hiring is probably the most important thing. It's not about you're not going to change people, right? It's very yeah. Chances of you taking somebody who's a a shitbag salesperson and turning them into a rock star are slim to none. So, we got to hire somebody really, really good, right? Yeah. What do you look for when you're hiring people?
1: So, I've got, you know, I talked about my core values and the things that are important to me. And so, I have, I'm not very structured with my questions or the way that I do interviews. I am highly dependent on my intuition and energy. And I'm I'm watching the confidence in other people. And even if it's somebody that has never done sales before, like there's a lot of guys, including me, that when, we, when I got started in Windows had never done sales. And so there's, there's character, there's morals and ethics that you ask certain questions and you can start to get an idea of how people are going to show up and what the future with the company is going to look like based off of things that they've done in the past, how they answer questions. And... If, they're, if you can sense that they're holding something back because they've got some questionable character. So I ask questions like, you know, what what is your experience and how have you contributed to companies in the past to make an impact? And what do you feel like your impact would be here? And we're very protective of our culture. And how would you add to the culture of JKR Windows? And then I'll also ask questions I'll I'll ask very industry specific questions that are kind of complicated and I'll ask something about, um, you know, how would you, how would you handle a situation if you were training somebody and they were going through some personal issues and I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to either trip them up or get them to real, to admit that they're not quite equipped for that yet. And they would love to come in here and learn something like that. Mm -hmm. Because then there's also people that are, they're going to tell you exactly what you want to hear and they're making stuff up as they go. And it's, it's pretty apparent. I've done it before, so I know what I'm looking for. So those are some of the things. But then also, one of the most important things for us, knowing that we have a great system and we can put people through a training process and very high likelihood of success, we need a good cultural fit. And if, if they're just really not meshing, and their personality isn't aligned, and they've got some questionable character traits, they, might, they may not hear from us again. Because if, if they come in here, and their attitude is lacking, and they're just kind of innately negative, and you can, pick, you can pick that stuff up in an interview, one of our uh, five team expectations is no negativity, like absolutely no exceptions. There is no negativity allowed in this building or in the presence of any person in JKR windows in a group environment. And if you need to handle stuff, we we can handle it behind closed doors and we certainly don't want to brush stuff under the rug, but we're trying to protect our culture so intensely that I don't do much hiring anymore, but I've instilled this in every other person that does and they're extremely protective and they're asking the questions and they're, you know, trying not to get to a point where I'm scaring people to make decisions, but man, we're, we're so protective and we know that it it wastes time and resources and money to bring somebody in. That's not a good fit. So we gotta, we gotta be pretty darn sure before we bring somebody in here that they're going to be a good fit and we can do the work as leaders to help develop them.
0: That's awesome, man. What's your next level for, uh, for growth? Like what, where are you going next? What do you want to learn? What are you trying to achieve? Who do you want to be next? You know what? That's one of the challenges is that
1: for me to reach my crazy goals, I'm not sure who I'm going to have to become, but I know that every day I'm leveling up as a father, as a communicator, as a husband, as a leader, and I'm, I'm putting in the work. I'm reading the books. I'm, watching the youtubes i'm doing the coaching calls i'm getting feedback from my people and we've got some crazy goals we want to do 200 million in one calendar year and the person that i'm going to have to become to be the ceo of a company that does 200 million is a whole lot different than who i am right now yeah and i'm just i'm just uh on the journey and that's that's part of the exhilarating parts of the, the journey is it, it's, sometimes it's not necessarily about the goal itself. It's looking back at who I've become because of the big, crazy goals that I've made in the past. It's now exciting to know that I can do these things if I put my mind to it and put the action plans together and just put one foot in front of the other, even though it's never happening as fast as I want it to. I've come to terms with that. But now it's more about the person that I'm going to become. Like without a doubt, the person that I am going to become to reach 200 million excites me more than anything else.
0: Can I challenge that thought for a second? Absolutely. So my company is the goal guide, right? Like I've been doing this since 2015, guiding people to their goals, right? And what I realized is that a goal is not a place to get to, but a place to come from. Right. And so you can right now decide who that person, that $200 million a year CEO is and just start being that today. Like everything everything you do, every decision you make comes from the $200 million CEO thought process. Yeah. Oh, it becomes fun. I think you were saying the same thing. Maybe I phrased it differently, but. No, no, it's
1: it's. I think it's a little bit different way of looking at it because I'm always, because I'm focused on that big goal I am, I, I write my goals down as if they've already happened. Yeah. And the the decisions that I'm going to have to make as a $200 million JKR Windows CEO, it starts to, it starts to have an effect on the decisions that I make and the behaviors that I have and the person that I am and the, the way that I show up. And then the the steps that I take and the people I surround myself with. So you're right. And that that's like I'm excited about emulating that version of myself and then slowly working myself and developing those habits and the disciplines and the consistency of being that person
0: for sure man it's like um i use these two examples one of is writing a book it's like when did i become an author after i wrote the book or when i started writing the book yeah I had to be an author before I started. Because who writes books? Authors do, right? If I'm not yeah. an author, if I don't believe I'm an author, I'd never start writing a book. Exactly. I just, I just ran is, a marathon. It's a,
1: it's a cool challenging thought process. Yeah. You always got to be challenging your thought process. Because I went through the same thing. That's interesting that you say that. Because as I'm like writing out a bio or something for a podcast, and I'm like erasing author. I was like, not yet an author. Well, wait a sec. Yeah, I'm a freaking author. <laughs> I
0: am an author. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. Uh, is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have?
1: You know what? This has been great, man. You put on a good show. Thank you so much for for your your enthusiasm and your I can I see it written all over your face, dude. You you love what you do, and I, there's so much value that comes out of these podcasts because of that enthusiasm and passion that you have for what you do.
0: Well, guess like you make it easy to love, man. I really appreciate your time, Jefferson, how authentic you are, your story, just the inspiration that you are. You are a walking inspiration. You're so freaking awesome to go from that guy who was sleeping at your son's birthday to now being the man who's creating a $200 million company to now being the CEO of a future $200 million company, man. Having you on my show is an honor. I want to thank you and congratulate you on your new book and all your success. And I look forward to building a relationship with you. I appreciate that, Eric. It was great to meet you, brother. Hey, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye, everybody.